if your developer doesn't talk to you about this, they don't have your best interest at heart because copywriting and doing the text for your website, it's, a, it's an industry in its own and there's a real skill to it. It's not just you copying and pasting out of a Word document that you wrote 10 years ago. People don't read websites like they read books or newspapers. People have been taught to scan and they look for bullet points, they look for bold text and they look for headings and then when they reach the area that they're interested in, that's when they'll stop and read. Welcome to Marketing Builder, the show where you'll get lots of little bricks of marketing advice to help you build up your marketing and your business. Drawing on over 20 years of marketing experience, your host, Daniel Oyston, will dive into a topic and provide you with short, sharp, and to-the-point marketing advice that you can apply to your marketing straight away. Welcome to Marketing Builder. Let's get on with the show. Hey, hey, legends, pumped to have you joining me for this episode of Marketing Builder and also Roddy Boyd, director at 23 Creative, a Canberra-based web development company that is all about high-quality web design and website development. I invited Roddy on the show because, look, pretty much every business has a website, but not every business has a great website. Websites can sometimes be a bit of a mystery for businesses. Sure, they know they need one and, and they know what a good one looks like, but they don't know how to take ownership of their website and really make it happen and come to life. Most of you have and will use a web developer to build your site, but so often it can be a frustrating process, whether it's just taking too long, it's not exactly what you wanted, you don't know how it all works, you don't have control and access to the back end, or it just isn't helping your business like you thought it would. Now, growing up, Roddy was a kid that took everything apart just to see how it worked, and most of the time he could put it back together, and that's something he still applies in his job today, although he reliably informs me that he can now put things back together the majority of the time. As the owner and director of 23 Creative, he's had to wear many hats throughout the business's growth, and he understands what it's like to start something from scratch. As such, he really enjoys hearing about people's stories and their vision for their business. Roddy knows that building a website isn't enough and that you need to make sure it has clear and concise calls to action and that it's easy for your target market to navigate. Web design and development, it's such a big subject. And while you know I love to try and keep these episodes to about 15 to 20 minutes, that was impossible for this subject. As such, I've split this chat with Roddy up over two episodes. And to be fair, there was still so much more we could have covered for you. Maybe I'll get Roddy back on the show again sometime soon. In the first part of my chat with Roddy, we cover off planning, target audiences, calls to action, content management systems, how to pick the right developer, structuring a website, how much they cost, the content for your website, and a few war stories just to make it really interesting. I started out by asking Roddy, when a business decides to build a new website, where should they start? The first thing I'll say to everyone out there is plan ahead plan your website from the start, do some research about what content management system you want, what type of functionality you want to have into it, and what goes into building a website. Um, you really got to research your market, know what they want, what drives them, and why they're coming to you. And is that, is that all about getting your head in the game, getting your head thinking about what needs to be done rather than just going and speaking to somebody? And that's what I think a lot of people get stuck on is they build their website for themselves, not necessarily for the people that they're trying to sell to. And they get caught in their head going, oh, well, you know, I like the color black, so I want black to be on my website. But if you're selling 
pink unicorns, you don't want a black website that distracts people from what you're trying to sell or the message you're trying to get across. It gets really expensive when you get halfway through a build and then you want to put more functionality into it. So I get people coming to me all the time saying, you know, we've just seen this really cool thing that our competitor's doing and we want to do that now. And I was like, well, if we had that planned out from the start, you would have saved yourself a couple grand because it's like building a house. If you have a right foundation, you're not going to have a problem building on that foundation. But if you come halfway through the build and go, oh, well, we want it to be a five-beddy now, but we've only paid for a three-beddy. Well, we want a second floor. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? So I've, I think that's where you really need to be careful around how you're planning it. You need to know what you want before you even engage a developer. And if you don't, it's going to cost you in the long run. So then, and building on that foundation, you really need to know who your customer is and you've got to build a persona around that customer. And I think once you get all those things right, you're going to have a really successful build at the end. Yes, personas. And as a marketer, this is one that's very close to my heart. You say you should build them. I would expect businesses should have them before they start developing a website. That's good practice. And it is something I speak to people about every day. They are so important. I talk to businesses quite a lot around them at a meta level but how can we use them or adapt them to help us build something specific like a website so if you've got your personas sorted out and they've come and seen someone who's awesome at marketing uh, do you know anyone i don't i don't know um (laughs) it's a short list yeah. (laughs) yeah so once you develop them you you really should be asking yourself questions around you know if i was that person and i was visiting my website how am I going to create trust with that person? What type of information does this person want to read? And even if that is information is important, is that going to build trust with your brand? Is it going to add value to them? What pages do they want to view? Because I find a lot of clients that come to me and they have really, really important information on their website that people visit regularly, but there's no call to action at the end of it. There's nothing to prompt them to go to another area. doesn't meet the goals of their website. Um, so... If your goal is to get phone calls and you have a bit of content on your website that if you're, let's talk about plumbers because plumbers seem to be regular on your show. <laughs> and who was it who came on? Was it Tom? It was Tom. Tom. Yep. Tom popped out and he was talking about block drains, right? And he has really good content around his block drains. His call to action at the bottom of that should be call us to book in for your block drain servicing. And what I find a lot of clients will have that information on their website and then not actually, you know, use that to build on the goals of the websites. They're just putting the content on there and not joining the dots and really leading the person to click here to either make a phone call or fill out a form, make an inquiry. Yeah, because, and with websites, it's the KISS principle, right? If you go to a website, you really need to hold the hand. You really need to push that person around the website. And then it comes back to your personas again. So who is the type of person coming to your website? Are they a 70-year-old grandma who looks at their website on their phone? And if that's the case, your website should be built around that for them. Um, what's the type of content? How do 70-year-old grandmas search for block drains on their mobile phone? And that's, that's you should be driving back to that every single time. You mentioned it earlier on, CMSs. That's another big picture area, the CMS. And when we talk about websites, we, we often talk about CMSs, which stands for Content Management System. I'll let you explain what a CMS actually does. Why does a business need to understand what they do? And what are some of the things people should, maybe they need to keep in mind when talking about them with their developers, because this is one of the first things you do actually need to decide when you're developing a website. What are we going to use to develop it? Yep, and that comes back to your planning stage again. So a content management system is essentially 
Oh, it is what it is, right? It's where you manage your content for your website. Um, a lot of the newer content management systems have what are called WYSIWYG editors, which stands for what you see is what you get. And I mean, it doesn't always work out this way, but technically is as you type on the page, it should represent what it looks like on when someone's viewing your website. So these these content management systems have a back end and a front end. So your front end is your general public, that's what they get to see. And the back end is where you log in to upload photos, change text, um, you know, send out your email marketing. Manage your forms. Yep, manage your forms, um, follow up with people, sell your products, fulfill your orders, do all that sort of stuff. And the good content management systems make it really easy for you to do that. And they're built around the more advanced editors now are pretty much you just edit like it's you're editing your front end of the page. You log in and it gives you admin access and you can change photos and pictures and do all that sort of stuff. So what sort of types of CMSs are out there that we're going to hear when a developer is talking to us? Well, the main one is WordPress. WordPress is the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Of all the websites, and I read this stat this morning, so I don't know how accurate it is, so don't hold me to this. <laughs> I think it was 36% of all websites on the internet are WordPress wow. as of right now. So that's where a lot of people will go. Um, there's a couple of others out there. There's Drupal, there's Joomla, and they're sort of your open source content management systems. So let, let's stop there for a second. What does open source mean? Open source is it's around a license where anyone can pick up and do whatever they want with it. You can modify it. You can sell it for profit. You can do whatever you want with it. But no one technically owns it, so to speak. That's right, yeah. Um, I'm sure, well, copyright lawyers out there, I'm sure they'll know more about it than I do. All I know is that if I work on it, I don't have to worry about getting sued by somebody else who owns it. Yeah. So, And that's what open source. There's some really good advantages to open source because it is free and because you can do whatever you want with it. But that's also the disadvantage of it because it's maintained by a global community. Anyone can look at the source code. And if there's ever an exploit that's found in the system, everyone knows about it. But that's a disadvantage and an advantage because it's patched really quickly and it should be technically easy to fix as well. So we have open source CMSs. What is there another option? Yeah, so you've got proprietary ones as well. So proprietary CMSs are owned by a company and these would be all the names that everyone's heard like you got your Shopify, your Squarespaces, your Wixes and they're owned by a company and you pay that company a fee to use them but they own the software. Um, generally they're easier for you to you know start and dip your toe in so if you want to build a website they're generally easy to get set up with but the risk with them and this uh, so this is me purely coming from a developer point of view is they own it it's theirs you pay them to use their product if you ever want to take it away you can't you can get your text and photos but that's it or if they want to double the price yeah or they shut down for whatever reason yeah that's it you're stuck with them that's it so but they're cheap to start with so if you have an idea and you want to sell a product Try it on Shopify because it's only going to cost you 60 bucks to get going. And then if it works, build into having your own system and getting that all set up. While Marketing Builder is the name of this podcast, it's also the name of an awesome product that can help you sort through all the fluff of marketing advice out there and focus on the important stuff. Marketing Builder is a card-based system supplemented by online video lessons that walks you through, step-by-step, step, the most important things in a marketing plan, such as buyer personas, pipeline analysis, objectives, strategy, goals, budgets, and the fun and sexy stuff, the marketing tactics. And there's over a hundred of them for you to consider using. 
The card sorting process results in a visual representation of your marketing, where you can easily see how people will engage with your marketing as they move from awareness through to a customer or client. Whether you're a small business owner trying to develop a marketing plan that you can actually use and are confident in on that very limited budget, or a seasoned marketer wanting others in your organization to have real buy-in and engagement with your marketing, then Marketing Builder is perfect for you. Visit marketingbuilder.net for more information. Now, the reason you're listening, let's head back to the show. Okay, so we can't avoid having content management system. We have to have one to build a website. Let's say we've made the choice of the content management system that we want to use, whether it's open source or it's proprietary. We think it's going to suit our business the best and we're on the hunt for a reliable developer who can help us in that space can make it happen. What advice have you got for those out there who maybe they haven't dealt with a developer before or it's been a long time? How do they make a good choice? What sort of things should they be focusing on? What sort of questions should they be asking? And, and that's a good question in itself because I'd say you generally ask, what's their experience? Have they done this type of thing before? Um, have they done previous jobs? Can you look at their previous jobs? Um, can you talk to some of their previous clients? You can ask them to explain some technical aspects of the content management system you plan to build in. And again, this comes back to the very first question of do your research. So it could be as simple as Googling know, something around your content management system. If it's, let's say WordPress, because we talked about WordPress. How do you get posts from WordPress? And any developer worth their salt will go, oh, that's easy. It's a WP query. It's a global query. And it does X, Y, Z to return your posts. If they can't answer that, they're not the ones building it. And you'd be asking, where is my website going? I.e. they're selling websites, but they're getting somebody else who's not in their business to, to develop it and do the work, maybe? That can be the case. Or they could be the account manager for a larger organization. And they've just been promoted up the chain and don't actually know the technical aspects. If that's the case... You're talking to someone who doesn't know much about websites to begin with and they're selling you a product. They might not be giving you the best advice when you sit down and meet with them to spec everything up. So I would say then, if they don't know how to do that, how are they giving you the best advice around the product that you want? Any war stories around yeah. picking developers? This, I... is kind of the, this is a bit I've been looking forward to. Yeah, so I get at least one a month. One a month that I pick up a job where it was done by another developer. They said they were going to promise them the world and they don't. So... One's for a client I have on now. These guys are called ESOs, Electrical Suppliers Australia. These guys have hands down the most products on their website of any electrical supplier I've seen in Australia. They've got something like 15,000 products. Wow. But you can't find them. Like they're all just, they're on WordPress. They're all, you've got 15,000 products. They're categorized. But if you want a red, oh, what is it? I think they're GPOs. I, can't, I don't know what the actual technical term is. If you want a red PowerPoint, you have to go PowerPoints and then scan through however many other thousand PowerPoints are on there until you get to your product, where a good developer should have sat down with those guys and gone, let's educate your people on all the products that you want. They might be coming for PowerPoints, so let's go PowerPoints, show all the colors that we've got, show the different amperages, and then someone might go, oh, I didn't know that they do 30 amp red PowerPoints, and then they can filter it by that. But the other thing is too, if it's difficult for people to find the products that you offer on your website and the product that you offer isn't one of your differentiators, i.e. it might be service, it might be price, if people just consistently experience a hard time when they go to your website to find that red PowerPoint or the blue one next week, they just get their shits with it and they're just going to go to a competitor. That's right. They're not going to come to you anymore. And that's what it is, right? It's If it's too hard to do, nobody's going to do it. 
What about people overpaying for websites yes. in your stories? Surely there's some. Yeah, well, yeah, there's always some. So I've got a client at the moment, I won't say their name, but they have paid $28,000 for a basic WordPress website, which I think is highway robbery. You think it's highway robbery? I concur. What sort of ballpark, if, if it's a, let's say it's a reasonable size site, it's fairly complex, it's not top end, but it's not just basic five pages. What sort of ballpark are we talking? And you can give a range. Yeah, so I'd, I'd say 90% of the jobs that I do will come in at about between the four and the 8K mark. So 28 is way out there. Yeah, and the, and this again, this is a, comes back to your planning stage. These guys have come, they did their job, they got halfway through the build and then wanted to add more design and more development to it. And because of that, that's where they just got, well, there's a couple of words I want to say there, but I won't say it. But the, <laughs> Saves me beeping them yeah. out later. <laughs> yeah. It's not their fault because I think they've been hard done by, by the developer who has purposely been sort of cagey and not saying what they're going to do and how it's going to happen. And then when they've asked for something else, they've gone, yeah, no worries, that's going to cost you 10 grand. Um, whereas if it was sat down at the start and they discussed all this... And did the research, which is what we started with, and the personas. Exactly right. Figuring out how much they're going to charge you and how they're going to charge you is a big part of doing your research. So in that, we spoke before about the CMSs and what the developers are going to be doing and asking them some questions and things like that. Some people would go to a developer and think they're just going to be handed over a site, but there are things that the client, the business is going to be responsible for, some inputs to help that website come to life. Absolutely. So there's going to come down to content, content, and you'd know this through you know, SEO and marketing. Your content. Yeah, the question's not for me. I know the answer. <laughs> yeah. Content is king. Well, content is head and shoulders the most important part of your website. Maybe second to usability. But if you have text on, if you have a photo of there of that you took on your iPhone of your product on your dining room table with papers and stuff scattered, it's not going to and you're selling a premium product, that's not going to give the value. It's not going to give the message that the person you're trying to sell to. And I'll give you a good example just off the top of my head. This morning uh, was on the Proctor Legal website, which are a, a lawyer in Canberra. I've only had a quick look, so I haven't done a lot of research, but was introduced to Susan, uh, the, the owner there. On their About Us page and the staff pages, they've got their what you would expect to see from a lawyer. So you said not pages all over the kitchen table and stuff, the nice corporate looking lawyer photo. But on each person's profile page, there's actually a nice sort of personal photo. One, somebody with their dog. I can't remember what the others were. But I found myself taking a couple more seconds just to look at those more personal. They're, they're professionally taken photos. They're amazing looking photos. But the personal ones start to tell us a little bit about the personality of the organization. And you can see the smiles in the people's faces and sort of see, oh, look, they're a dog person or they like cooking. And, and I found myself spending a little bit more time than I normally would on a page if it was just the, here's our corporate headshot, move along. And I reckon that'll come back to their personas, right? Because they're going to go, we want to engage with our customers. We want to yeah. be friendly and approachable and these types of people are going through something that might be a life event that's really stressful. So let's try and feel welcoming and engaging and that's how a photo can do that, not necessarily the text. There's a key area that will indicate to people whether their developer really is a good one or not and it's whether their developer thinks that all of this stuff around websites really does boil down to usability and content. You're right. So if your developer doesn't talk to you about this, they don't have your best interests at heart because copywriting and doing the text for your website, it's a 
it's an industry in its own and there's a real skill to it. It's not just you copying and pasting out of a Word document that you wrote 10 years ago. Or your corporate brochure. That's it. Um, because people don't read websites like they read books or newspapers. They look for, people have been taught to scan and they look for bullet points, they look for bold text and they look for headings. And then when they reach the area that they're, they're interested in, that's when they'll stop and read. So having five paragraphs that explain your company and who you are, and it might be really interesting, might be written really well. Nobody's going to read five paragraphs of text until they're at a point where they're interested in what they're reading about. So building on your analogy before of the the doing your planning and your research and understanding exactly what you want and, and the foundations of a house and then being able to add things onto it. If I was to keep following that analogy, your website and your content is like if you were just going to cut and paste content that you've developed somewhere else, maybe in a Word document or in your quotations or your corporate brochures, and you think it's okay just to cut and paste that into a website, it's kind of like getting an amazing architecturally built house. Looks beautiful, and then filling it with shitty secondhand furniture and not painting the walls properly and thinking about the curtains. It's a great house, but it won't work. And that's, I was going to use the exact same analogy. Um, it's one of those things where you might have a really nice architecturally designed house. As soon as you walk in the door, if it's got, if it, the painting's been done really bad, if the floor hasn't been done well, if the carpet looks. It's missing red PowerPoints. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because the electrician couldn't find them on that website. Yeah, because you're going you're gonna to walk into the house. That's all you're going to remember when you go into that house. It's like if anyone's ever bought a house, you go through all the open homes and you remember all the bad points of a house. You don't remember how nice the garden looked. You remember how the door handle didn't work properly when you came in. And that's the same with a website. Roddy, if people want to get in contact with you, find out more about what you do, how you can help them. What can they do? Where can they go if they want to get in contact with you? Feel free to send me an email. Um, it's Roddy, R-O-D-D-Y, at 23creative.com.au. Um, or if you really want to just call me in the office, um, 02610900006. <laughs> where we take a break with Roddy. As I said at the start of the show, web design and development, it's such a big subject. And while you know I love to try and keep these episodes to around about the 15 to 20 minute mark, that was impossible for this subject. And like I said, I've split this chat with Roddy up over two episodes. We've just heard some great advice around planning and target audiences, building calls to action into your website, looking at the different content management systems, some questions and how to pick the right developer, how to structure a website, how much they might cost, that ballpark, figure the content that goes into the website and a few war stories just to sort of put the icing on the cake for us in the next episode i pick up the second half of the chat with roddy and we're going to hear about the importance of website speed usability compatibility with different browsers and systems seo hosting backing up your website what we need to do when a site goes live customer relationship management systems, how search engine marketing flows into your site and why your website really is the linchpin of your marketing. That's a wrap for episode 25. I've been your host, Daniel Oyston, and it's been amazing having you listen to the show. And I trust that you got lots out of hearing from Roddy and all that great advice about websites. If you'd like to connect with Roddy, head to 23creative.com.au. That's the numerals two and three, then creative.com.au. Or find him on LinkedIn, just search for Roddy, R-O-D-D-Y, Boyd, B-O-Y-D. Loved this episode? Good. Make sure you don't miss the next one and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, 
Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever it is you listen to your podcast. I'd also love to hear from you and, and what marketing you're crushing or maybe you're finding it tough at the moment. You've got a question or you just want to chat something through, please connect with me on LinkedIn. Just search for Daniel Oyston, that's O-Y-S-T-O-N, or follow Marketing Builder on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just search for Marketing Builder or use the handle M-K-T-B-L-D. Until next time, may your marketing be awesome and I look forward to you joining me on the next episode of Marketing Builder. developed, hosted, and produced by Daniel Oyston from Content Grasshopper, the creator of Marketing Builder. Marketing Builder is the easy-to-use, step-by-step card-sorting system for cutting through all the marketing fluff out there and to help you build a marketing plan you are actually on board with. For more information, visit marketingbuilder.net or contentgrasshopper.com.au. Thanks for listening.